episode 20 of First Strike. We've made it. Made it, guys. 2-0. Episode 2 and oh, It's been a while. Um, today, we are joined by not only my co-host, Robert Lombardi. How's it going, Rob? Life's good. Glad to be here. Also joined by Dagger 4 again. How's it going, Vince? Not too bad. Glad to be here. And one of the all-time fave A-team guests... Shaheen Surani, the expensive sorcery master in the house. Also teammate of Travis Wu at the Pro Tour. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> That's my intro now. Um, Travis is great. Lingering Soul is great. We actually just got sponsorship, so we have that's exciting news. So we are uh, we are firing on all cylinders thanks to his YouTube popularity. So uh, you know, don't trash it too much. Well, hey, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. He's killing it. <laughs> He's yeah, definitely killing it, and uh, I love his. I, I, oh, I I've copy pasted that video to everyone. The slow players rant. Of the, oh. I love that. <laughs> Since then, I've actually like looked at a few other video clips of him. He's he's an interesting guy. He's an interesting guy. We'll interesting leave it at guy. that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting you fresh off. The wound is fresh. The wound is fresh. I I think on Twitter on Facebook you were just playing at GP San Antonio and you missed. On two win-ins, right? Yeah, we were ten uh, one going into the last three rounds, and um, we win the next you know round. Like any of those two, we're in really good shape. Top four, possibly even drawing an X two one if we lose. So we lose um, the first match with the heartbreaker. Uh, Pascal. Uh, the funny story about that is he was joking about how good Elspeth was in my deck before the round started. How he said he said it was the best standard planeswalker of all time. Um, Based on the answer, all capabilities, the wrath that's built in the win condition, um, just the pressure that just put, it puts on you know the board and then the ultimate that wins the game. Uh, so he says the best, and then uh, he play around. He's playing his blue white control, and his opponent plays Elspeth, and he goes off with Emrakul, and you know he's going off, and he got all this mana, plays Emrakul, takes the next turn, and attacks him, not Elspeth. Uh, forgetting that the Elspeth minus kills Emrakul. And we lose that game because of that. So he Montavsi minuses Elspeth, kills Emrakul, and then we lose that game. So the the rest of the team, Brian lost his match, and I'm going to game three against Jund, um, playing against the eventual winners of this tournament. I'm playing against Adam Jensen. Jensen? Jensen? Um, so I'm about, I'm not even like exaggerating, on the play against Jund with my deck, I'm like, I feel heavily favored. Like, I mean, I'm just, all my counters are live. Dark Confidence doesn't really sneak out on me. And then he just has no real answer to my Planeswalkers, and it's just one of my better matchups. So, like, I'm feeling pretty good, and Pascal would have gone to game three. So who knows what would happen? So that mistake was made. Um, and then in the final round, EBD twice in this tournament has told us the right play, and we both ignore him both times. Uh-oh. And we, we get smashed with full justice because of that. So <laughs> you ignored the champ, the world yeah, champ. The, the, in the final turn, we ignored him. In the final round of the final turn, we ignore him. He says to not attack this Eldrazi player. We attack him. It was basically the, after that, he was able to blink our blockers out of the way and deal lethal to us with displacer. And we were one turn away from ultimating Elspeth. So, um, clearly we just threw the game away. And, uh, you know, basically, if we just listened to him all weekend, we would have been top four, probably win the tournament. But it, it, the, the silver lining of this wound um, is that the control deck wasn't unplayable like I thought it would be. Um, 
uh, Owen joked around about how his Grixis control is unplayable. I think Grixis is unplayable, but I think that blue-white has some tools. You basically are an LD deck. You play Force Ranks, for Tech Edge, and you're able to just lock people out of games. One-third of my games in testing, I wrote about this in the article, are won by Mana Denial, and I'm just sitting there with my – like I play against Jacob Wilson. I sweep him. He's playing um, Dredge. And game one, I sweep him with blue-white control against Dredge, which is, like, impossible. But I go spreading seas, spreading seas. He has two islands out the whole game, can't cast these spells, and he dies. So, like, that's how the deck wins, and that's why it's powerful. But the Grand Prix sucked, you know, at the end, but we had a really good run, and, you know, it just shows our team chemistry is pretty strong, so. Okay, uh, so I just want to bring it back to the beginning. How did you guys got together? I know you and, and BBD are really good friends. How did Pascal come into the mix? So, last year, um, we decided to help – I decided to help BBD get to Worlds. Um, by flying to Brazil with him for a team GP. And, uh, you know, it was a $1,400 plane ticket or something, some ridiculous amount. So, uh, you know, I decided to do it. And we went to Twitter, went around social media trying to find our third. And we had some promising candidates here. And then Pascal kind of made a joke saying, you know, he really would, needs to lock up. He wants to lock up Platinum before the last Pro Tour. And so we, he says, you know what? Just screw it. Let's do it. So he buys a plane ticket. Also, on a plane, we all meet in Brazil. I really haven't talked to Pascal before this tournament at all. Um, but, you know, we show up and we do well. We top four. I lock silver and get to go to some pro tours. I haven't played the pro tour in like, you know, three, four years. And uh, BBD, obviously, we hedge by winning the final round, knocking Saito into fifth place, knocking him out of the top four. And that's who his competition was for Worlds for the GP Master slot. So if we didn't go, there's a really high likelihood that. Saito plays in the world championship slot. You know, you just think about how, how different that would have been. Um, but yeah, so that's how we, we met and that's how we joined up. And um, now I would say Pascal is just giddy. We, we, we're all really good friends. I mean, we just, we all talk all the time now. He locked in every team event for this year with us again, um, you know, including Cleveland, Mexico City this weekend coming up. And, you know, they, the, the chemistry just was a lot higher than I thought it would be. We, we needed a really strong player uh, that was technical. And Pascal's our technical player, especially in limited. And we just handed him the green-white deck both times in the tournament in, in Brazil, and he just crushed with it. And we just basically – he wasn't really involved in the deck building as much as the other uh, we were, but, like, he is by far one of the best technical players out there. So, um Okay, I, I'm stoked. I think this team is rock solid. How, how did you come up with your like your deck positioning? Because like I saw a lot of teams at the event were like Death Shadow, some control deck, and then some other mid range or aggro deck. Like whether the middle slot was usually like Bantel, Drazi, Affinity, or, or Merfolk for the most part. Some teams were a little more eclectic in their choices, but like it was pretty standard, like Death Shadow and then a control deck. Like how did you guys arrive to the three? Decks that you slotted. So we um, joined a forum with the the French players in Canada and in Europe, and uh, basically broke down in a vast, complicated spreadsheet every possible deck combination you can make in a trios team of Unified Modern. And looking at that list, we compiled the twelve best decks or thirteen best decks based on MTGO finishes and Grand Prix finishes. And then we crunched those numbers, and then we found the best combinations possible. Um, and we tested them. Basically, we were all blue-white until Tuesday. I was playing KCI online. I played Burn. I played Zoo. I played – I wanted to 
I told him I'm going to widen my range for this event because control is historically bad and modern. Um, so I tried everything. I even played uh, about four or five leagues with that nauseum and, uh, you know, did okay. Uh, and then people, and then BBD looked at the MTGO results of that week and he said, you know, blue white has gone five Oh, a couple times and it's been crushing. What do you think about playing? I cut him off. I'm like, I'm in, you know, <laughs> I couldn't say it fast enough. It's like, give me my control deck. So I, I built blue white. I looked at Nassif's list. Um, he gave me a, good, a lot of good inspiration. I wrote about it on StarCityGames.com. It came out today. Uh, but his list was very interesting. He had a lot of cards I really agreed with. Uh, some cards that shocked me, like Spellcaller out of the board, was just phenomenal. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the Blessed Alliance I thought was going to be kind of trashy. It was, it was great. So a lot of these cards that he was using was great. The only thing he needed to change was the mana base. His mana base was, I don't know how he won a game with the mana base. He was playing four planes four tech edge, four cryptic command deck. Like it's just, can't even cast. You can never cast cryptic command in that deck. It's just, I don't know if it was a joke or like, uh, you know, the hall of famer was just trolling people. So they play this four planes, four cryptic command deck. He had six islands. So he had 10 basics. It was like, I don't know how to cast any spells, but anyway, um, the deck was sweet. I won a lot more than I thought I would with it. And, uh, I went to nine, four personally with a match against the Jun player that said, I, pretty much sure I was going to beat. Um, but the, as far as positioning goes, we decided to put me in the B seat because we assumed that the best players always sit in the middle seat and the Death Shadow player was the best player because usually the best player plays the best deck because they have the most experience with it because they've been playing for you know, the dawn of time. Um, and we, we nailed it. I played Death Shadow like five or six times. I beat it all but one time. Um, just preyed upon it. Like it was, it was, these matches were just not very close. Uh, the blue light control deck is super good against that deck. Playing against Bantel Drazi twice, I punted in the last round. But that's also another almost buy matchup. Um, the Merfolk player is the actual buy, played against that. So the middle seat was pure aggro, it seemed. I didn't play against combo at all, um, which was a full, like I, I, I came up with this because I basically, my skill level is like by far the worst on the team. My deck range is by far the worst on the team. However, I got the old man wisdom, and I nailed the metagame. I nailed the B seat. I knew exactly what I was going to play against, and it did not falter at all. The only medium one was Dredge, which is obviously not really a combo deck, but we upped our rest in peace count to three in case somebody was playing Dredge. So uh, I played against Jacob Wilson, like I said, and you know, put him to rest a couple times. It was good. But that's how we came up with the seating. You know, <laughs> my other seats were random. I don't think you could predict A and C, so we just sat there where sat them wherever. And uh, you know, uh, we had some bad strings at the end. Three times in a row, or two times in a row, uh, Pascal played against the blue control deck, which is the only bad matchup for KCI. That deck is busted, and he's there's going to be a piece that has to be removed from that deck. It's not interactive. Uh, every combo took from anywhere from seven to fifteen minutes to combo off um, in one turn. It took me 14 minutes on MTGO. I was staring at the cards. I have no idea what they do. And I'm just like clicking around, like trying to figure it out. But even I bumbled to a three and two record with it. So like Pascal took 30 minutes, one game to combo against Tron in one turn. No slow play there, but he was on the back pedal, but it took 30 minutes to finish one game, which is insane. So they're going to advance at the end of that deck, I think. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I've been uh, playing KCI online as well. And uh, it's a race against your own clock <laughs> to complete uh, to complete your actions. And ever since they made Wingding Mana, uh, it's super annoying to cast artifacts. It's just like 
yeah, I have seven colorless mana in my pool. I'm casting a scrap trawler. Just remove it. Just, just remove it. it yeah. Cast the scrap. Like, why do I need to click on it? What's going on? <laughs> it's a super tedious deck online, and I hated every second of it. So I played, like I said, I once they told me I was on blue white, we immediately gave the technical deck to Pascal, like we said. He played great. He he made the one error against Elspeth. You know, it just sucks that both all of our errors came like at the end of the tournament. I think it's it could have been some fatigue. I think a lot of it was, you know, we were um, overconfident. I was really feeling like I, I rarely feel like I'm going to top eight and event or top four that early on, but uh, we were playing at a high level and it kind of like uh, deteriorated at the end. And um, but like I said, it's I think I changed my mind about modern a little bit. It's not as bad as I. It's not doom and gloom like I said. And I think a lot of that is, you know, based on the uh, shortfalls and shortcomings of standard, how bad it is right now. So, you know, we, I'd rather play anything besides standard at this point. So even this modern format that I still think has a lot of flaws is still leaps and bounds ahead of modern or ahead of standard. So, like, what kind of staying power do you think this blue-white deck has in modern? Like, I'm assuming if anyone's going to be a proponent of this deck going forward, it's probably going to be you, right? So what do you yeah. think, what kind of viability does this have in the future? So without going into uh, the, the Jason yeah. Bioscultor discussion too deep here, I think that a card like that is going to be required for it to have viability across the entire metagame. Jace Architect of Thought was great. It was awesome. It's just not, but not awesome enough. Not good enough to carry the deck and against the field. And if I played against combo decks with Jace Architect of Thought, I couldn't even cast it. It's just unplayable. Uh, because, you know, every other turn draws some cards, or every few turns drawing a couple cards is not the way you'll beat it. But with Fate Sealing uh, and Brainstorming away, like uh, a bunch of your plows or, or uh, Path to Exiles and Nonsense Condemns, that's how you beat the combo decks. You, you brainstorm, you shuffle your, your, your chaff, and then you, you hopefully load up with some interaction. Um, I think that, that I, I got a lot of flack about the bannings and the lack of. Uh, picked on by every Platinum Pro out there, retweeting what I was saying, you know, when it came out. Um, but I, I think that was stride because I know that they're not going to leave it as is. I know that they're going to ban part of the combo before the Pro Tour. Their explanations of the no bannings were outdated and grossly inaccurate about Teamer Tower being playable. Um, I want to remind people that winners of Grand Prix and top eighters of Grand Prix when there's just one here and there. I top eighted with the most unplayable Esper decks for four, four or five years straight with Invitationals. I mean, these decks were, were bad. I mean, not good. And it doesn't mean when you have one isolated incident it's playable. But anyway, I think they're going to ban a combo piece in Modern or Standard. And I really think uh, Aaron Forsyth kind of like reeled me into my false um, confidence here when he said that we have heard the Jason, the My Sculptor discussion. We're going to discuss it with the uh, development team. And then recently, after the banning announcement, he said to a player about questioning the, the validity of blue white control or just blue based control of modern. Uh, he said that that is one of the big issues we're going to talk about in our next meeting is the viability of blue control. So, with that being said, there's no way blue control can win without an inevitability piece. Uh, to win the game. You cannot sit back with colonnades against burn and win. You can't sit back with colonnades against ad nauseum, living in, whatever it is. You're not going to win those matches. Um, you're going to need, you have to land something early and it's got to stick and you got to be able to try to win with it. Or if it dies, you play another one. And Jason Myers is a pure, pure blood example of that. I played one monster mentor in my deck 
And Pascal thought it was goofy because he remember he's a very technical player and he, he likes optimal lists. And every time he looked over, I just have uh, a <laughs> monster mentor out with an <laughs> army of creatures just smashing my opponent. And BBD's <laughs> suggestions to me throughout the day was I look at my hand, I show my hand. I'm like, he's like, play it. And I was playing on turn three. That was his, that was his advice for day one. I was showing my hand again. He's like, play it, play it. It's six. And I mean, I had opponents, I had a lot of opponents. I'm not going to put any names up there that tried. They were so upset about the monster mentor. I, I know for for sure one of my opponents, he fatal pushed it um, without revolt. And I was pretty sure he was trying to pull a fast one on me. So I said, you know, resolves. And then, you know, made him put it in the graveyard, <laughs> of course. Because, <laughs> you know, you can target things and they don't kill it. You know how I know that? Magic Online, <laughs> which I've done before. So I knew how that worked. But, uh, it was a shock to people, and it closed games out. That's why mentor is great, and you need some kind of uh, answer like that. So, it, long answer to your short question here. I think blue-white control, <laughs> control in general needs a, uh, needs a better win condition that can lock up a game um, early on to be viable. And at this point, you're looking at a deck that's going to be an 11-4 deck at a Grand Prix. And, you know, is that viability? Is that strong? I think that is heinous and i think it's uh you know an affront to a healthy metagame of modern so um that's that's the answer fair appreciate that it's a good one <laughs> i'm ban jace <laughs> i'm uh, i'm on the unbanned jace train i just think that it's modern's doing enough stupid things uh that i think it's just fair to experiment and see if that card breaks the format or not I feel pretty confidently that Modern will survive with Jace being unbanned. I think Stoneforge would be savage a savage mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you've never heard me say Stoneforge. I will never, like, if it gets unbanned, I'll be dancing and be <laughs> celebrating. But it should not be unbanned. <laughs> I agree. It's, not too, it's too good. It's too good, and it's too, it gets too versatile, and it'll go in too many decks, and it'll just make aggro obnoxious, and it'll kill aggro, or... Make, you know, it'll just be, it'll be two extremes. Either the aggro player can't kill it and the batter squad beats him, or the aggro player will have it in the mirror matches. And then it's just, it'll be, it'll be obnoxious. Yeah, I agree. Stoneport is ridiculous. But I mean, like, like I said, I've been playing KCI and I've turned two, turned two killed people uh, on the play. <laughs> it's just oh, like, yeah. yeah. I That's feel like it's fine in this format. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so it's, it's funny because if you give any joke scenario about like my opponent plays, Simeon Spear guy plays three uh, Burning Tree Emissaries with the Revolt 1, Revolt 1, and plays a Bushwhacker and attacks me, and I'm looking at Jace, Jace, Seer Visions in my hand. Is this the problem modern? Or if your opponent suspends Lotus Bloom and you slam Jace and you brainstorm and they untap and ad nauseum you, or Burn kills you on turn four with two Goblin Guides, there's no, out of all the decks in modern, let's say the 12 viable decks, there may be two or three that are going to be adversely affected by Jace, but they should be. They should be on their heels and have to defend against these planeswalkers. I mean, that's like right now, modern is kind of extinct of planeswalkers outside of um, Liliana. And I think that, you know, it's for, for magic's branding purposes alone, uh, that's a, a kind of a, kind of a dagger to their to the development team. So I think Jace wouldn't be fine. It would be fine. Everyone knows it would be fine. And the only people against it are people that are, um, there's two categories that put them in one. There's just people that hate blue and that's fine. People, <laughs> People hate blue. I play my friend Daryl. We always joke about this guy. He played at a uh, at an open who had choke, boil, and like you know all these hate cards in this red green deck. 
And then he looks up at my friend. He goes, you know, ah, hey, blue with his nice little southern accent. (laughs) There's people that fall into that camp that just hate their stuff being countered. They prefer to die on turn two every time, which is fine. You know, to each your own. So, you know, is Mandalik broken or is, you know, uh, turn one blood moon broken? You know, whatever. The other category of people are those that um, don't really, actually there's three, there's a financial category too, but just talking about like health purposes. Uh, the other people are just ones that just don't play blue control decks and they're like, you know, more mid-rangey, they're more aggro players or they're just the best deck players and I don't think Jace is going to go in any best deck in modern. <laughs> Come on, Aaron, let us play. <laughs> Such a champion of the unbanned Jace movement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, always, I think I joked with you uh, KYT about uh, you know if they unban it, that's going to be my. I'll just step down out of out of the, out of the community, and that's it. I'll leave on that note. Your work is I, done. My work <laughs> is done. Free, freed the legend from prison, you know, or had a good role in it. Um, and uh, you know, it's it would be fine for the format. And the the sad part is, you know, the, if the financial part holds us back, I think that's a bad precedent. I think it's a bad precedent too leave cards banned because of a financial reason um, over format health. And I really think that they've done a good job with modern masters and able to lower and stave off the prices. And I don't think, I think they just need to print Jason, you know, uh, put them in another uh, from the vaults box or put them into modern masters or make them into a uh, masterpiece or there's so many ways you can just put them back in the circulation and he'll be fine. I agree. And if they screw it up, they can just reban it if it's a problem. They did it with Grave Troll. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, and the financial part about rebanning it, I know it would hurt a little bit, but Jace is never going to be a worthless card. I mean, it's never going to be worthless because it's a it's the flagship card of Magic. It is a legacy uh, played card. Um, it's played in like cube decks and EDH decks, any blue deck you see. People want a Jace the Mind Sculptor, so it's never going to be a $20 card. You know, it tanked at 60, and I think it, I'm pretty sure it's 60 right now. I can look it up, but um, it's it's one of those cards that don't, there shouldn't be a fear of it going to zero, you know. So I got a question from one of our patrons, uh, Sebastien Lachance. Uh, for you, Shaheen, are teams' events better than individual events? Is the unified modern format a good idea, or is three different formats better? Legacy, modern, standard, for example, for, for team events. Well, did you like this type of tournament? I think team events are better than individual. I think team events are the future. Um, they were the past. They were super popular. You have everyone from, you know, every ancient head from Magic comes out of the woodworks for these events. Every casual player wants to team with their buddies and play. Magic should Magic when it's a team event uh, opens the doors for people that are not comfortable in these competitive events alone. Um, I, I whenever there's a team event for SCG for for Grand Prix whatever people are thrilled it's all people talk about I don't think there can be ever too many team events and I think that when you're with your squad the only to- only negative aspect of it is like when I you know basically cost us that last game in the last round by uh, going the route I did you have a little additional guilt for causing your team to lose um, but you know out of one negative of that at all these positives I think that team events are phenomenal and i would i would be happy if they just did away with individual <laughs> and had team every time obviously they're never going to do that and i think it's good to have a mix i think the more uh diverse your uh format choosing is then the more popular it is um the game's more popular so i think team events are great and i 
I would be hard pressed for you to find someone anti teams. I don't, I've never heard anyone. Um, and that's crazy and magic. Everyone's complaining about everything. So uh, not to hear anybody rail against team is pretty great. As far as unified modern goes, you can't have it any other way. You have to have unified modern if you want to have three modern decks because uh, it would be the three same decks. You play three Death Shadow decks. Obviously not that three Death Shadow, but three aggro decks that share the mana base because mana is so good in modern. So you just it would, it would you could have like burn sharing stopping grounds and you can have Death Shadow sharing. It would just be a very boring uh, metagame. With unified modern, uh, the decks are just so unique. Um, so that was great. Uh, and your last question, I think that the three different events are better than the three unified modern, but I wouldn't be opposed to having both again. I think the three different ones are some people are just, and this goes outside the pro community. This is more for mid-level down to tabletop. People have a metagame or a formats that they love, and you can have your standard player join with your modern player with your legacy player. Like I joined with Daryl Ayers as legacy, and I'll tell you right now, and I'll have him watch his podcast and get his ego even bigger. He is, <laughs> he is the best lands player in the world. Number one, not close. Um, I watch him as my teammate run circles around players. He was 13-0 uh, at an open with it and has lost in the top four to a combo deck that he had no chance to beat anyway. He was nearly undefeated in our team event with one loss. He um, played against me in the top eight of a SCG with lands again, also going nearly undefeated, and he ended up scooping me on camera, which is kind of awkward. Um, yeah, we won't go into detail on that. That's a little weird. So <laughs> I was like, you should have seen the look on my face. But I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you got it. And we rode up together. So I was like, okay, I think this is not going to look good for the optics there. <laughs> anyway, um, I beat him game one. His excuse to the world was he didn't want to get tell him his performance on camera. So I don't know if you guys, if the viewers don't know what that card does, it's a uh, five mana blue sorcery. And they reveal cards on top of their library until they hit a creature, and then you gain control of that creature. And, uh, you know, ancient secret here, there's no creatures in land, so that's the only way I can beat it with my bad control deck. But yeah, so, teams are great. Three different formats are great. Team Limited is great. Team Modern, uh, Unified Modern is great. Uh, my favorite Pro Tour was the Team Constructed Pro Tour in Charlotte back in the ancient days, like 2006. I loved it. Uh, I played two at a giant Pro Tour with... Uh, Chris McDaniel, for those old people out there that know the Star Wars kid. Uh, you know, so a team, you know, I remember these better than any other event. They're just so much fun and so much unity and brotherhood, and it's great. Man, I love that you brought that up. You say it's the future because we had discussed basically the Pro Tour team series a couple of episodes ago and how, like, it sort of artificially creates these teams, but here you're actually actively helping each other do well. Like, your involvement actually affects or your misplays or, or your good plays will affect the fortunes of your teammates. So that is interesting to me. Um, I, I'm starting to think it might be the future and that we should see more of these if we're, we're trying to push this team thing. Right, Sheen? Yeah, and I think it's even in the esports world, a lot of these uh, you know games are, are team games. And like the most popular ones out there, you know, obviously League of Legends is like leading the show, is a team event because people love to see competition between teams People love to play in competition between teams. And you see Star City has already changed a a constructed tournament in Kentucky to a team event. Um, Wizards is having, you know, way more team events this year than they had in previous years. So I think that's going to be the future. Um, And helping your teammates out. 
I, I was, uh, you know, not very instrumental helping Brian out with death shadow. Uh, but with Pascal, him and I, we talked almost every match about plays with KCI cause I had a, a league under my belt and, you know, just little things when you're not in the game, you're able to remind him of mana here and trigger here. He's able to, you know, give me some insight on, you know, well, don't, don't, you know, counter this spell because he's going to play collective company response. He did la you know, just able to give people insight adds a whole other dynamic to the game. I think it's great. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Rob, what do you think? Yeah. So I, I really, I really like team events. I think they're fun. It's definitely more enjoyable experience, right? Because you're invested in your friends uh, doing well and they're invested in you're doing well, right? So there's like some camaraderie there. And it's like a little more purpose to your event than just you like trying to grind out some pro points or make cash or whatever. So I definitely like that. And losing is more fun on a team and also winning is more fun on a team. So in general, the fun level goes way up for like a pretty low uh, cost to everyone else. Um, what I don't like about team events is like the mod- the unified stuff. I just think that it's not like a real format you can play outside of that GP. <laughs> like no one's coming with your 75 against any 75 you played for the most part, right? So yeah. it's the, the data is like not really useful and it's almost more like an invitational type format where it's like you're not really going to see this outside of this event, but I hope everyone, like almost like playing block, right? Like block is pretty fun. But no one wanted to play it because it's like, oh, once I can play this one block event and I'm never going to block again, so who really cares? So that's kind of how I feel about the, the Unified series. I would definitely appreciate them doing more like uh, Sealed, Standard Modern, or Standard Modern Legacy, or Team Sealed. Um, if they want to ramp up the GP count on those things, I, I think that's a very good idea, for sure. Hmm. Vince, would you, be pl- would you play more team events? I've had great experiences. I only I only play limited team events because that's just I'm too incompetent to do any constructed things with. Vince games. only plays limited events. I mean, yeah, <laughs> let's let's not beat around the bush. I don't even play constructed <laughs> individual events, but um, no, I think I think team events are a great thing. I think there's a lot of reasons why they have to keep individual events beyond just logistics. Like I think Magic is a game where a lot of people might not have a solid group of people that they can say they can go to, to team tournaments with. Obviously, that's you would like that to happen, where everyone feels like they have two good friends that they can go to a tournament with, but I know there are people that would feel uncomfortable trying to find a team for a team tournament, so I think it's good to have a mix. But yeah, I do think the number of team tournaments should go up, and I do think there's a serious opportunity for Wizards to leverage what they're trying to do on the Pro Tour with team tournaments. I mean, they're trying to sort of make this whole esports thing a reality where we, we feel invested in, in these teams that they've created. But if we're not seeing like a weekly head-to-head battle between teams, no one's going to care about these teams that are being made. If it's always played on the individual level, no one is going to be like, wow, CFB Ice is so good this week, or this, that, or the other, because you're never going to put all the pieces together and realize who's on what team until you see three people in a Channel Fireball t-shirts going after three people in SCG t-shirts or whatever other team it is. So I think there's a good opportunity there for Wizards to kind of mix together these two incentives that they have going. And hopefully they do in the future. Yeah, I agree. I think like PGO is the only stalwart team that you know what's going on. It's like when you see Peach Garden Oath, like you know who that is. If there's a team event, you know that that team's going to yeah. be there in that configuration. And that's like kind of the only 
And that's because they branded it themselves. Like they <laughs> paid for someone to do it for them, right? They created their own hype. And that's something that Wizards has an opportunity to do with all these other teams. And I hope they do. I'm, I'm not used to you calling yourself the worst player on your team, Shaheen. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It's definitely uh, an experience to be the worst player. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It's not like I'm giving myself like a two rating here. You know, it's just when your other players are tens, you know, it's, it, there's nowhere to go but down. Um, they, I, you know, I work full time. Right now they say, they're saying a week in Texas to practice for GP Mexico, the team event. For that I'm, I flew back to Norfolk, taught this morning, you know, after getting back at 1.30 in the morning. Um, you know, went to, you know, I took a nap because I was exhausted. I'm going to work all week get in a plane to Mexico, fly to Mexico, play in the Mexican team event, then fly back here. So, like, that's my life right now. I, and I really can't invest, like, the time that they invest in it, which doesn't mean I would be on their level if I did, but I would definitely be better and I'd definitely be close. But, uh, you know, they have dedicated their professional career to this game. So, um, you know, and I think, obviously, with Brian, it is leaps and bounds paid off. I mean, winning Worlds is basically top eight, eight, four pro tours cash wise, you know, um, just insane, like just an insane amount of money, even more than that, depending if you just, you know, if you scrub out of them as top eight, seven pro tours, that's seven PT top eight min caches, which is ridiculous. I mean, that's when you're starting to get toward these esport numbers, when you're getting toward the hundred K purse, um, obviously not, you know, in the millions, like, you know, the, the top games, but still when you're, if they say keep doing this then you're going to see uh, people, really putting their time and effort into it. So even though I really get upset about how horrendous the GP payouts are, like toward the bottom and how, um, I don't think we talked, I think me and you might've talked about it before. Um, but like, I think a good solution would be to uh, offer like a booster box for people to finish 65th through hundred or two booster boxes or something like that. So like, that would be a really, really good way to like incentivize people to, uh, you know, you know, leave thinking like, Hey, I got something out of it because those are the average people going back to Vince's point saying, you know, not everyone has a squad, you know, uh, people that go to these individual events, they pay a hundred dollars for a grand prix, go 11 wins with no buys. 11. Can you imagine 11 wins in a grand prix? You playing grand prix. KYT. You know how hard these yeah. things are. 11 yeah. wins is hard for people with two buys or one buy. 11 wins is insane. You know, 11 wins and you get nothing. <laughs> you get nothing. It's crazy. hundred dollar entry fee. Nothing. So, like, that is something where, you know, uh, uh, Magic is really dropping the ball. Wizards dropping the ball. And I criticize them to no end on Twitter and social media. And they respond to me because they, they don't like the bad press. And they, they say, well, you know, we have increased our prize payout from X to X and whatever. I'm like, that's good. Increase it more. You know, in a 2,000-man tournament, 64 people shouldn't leave with something. Two percent, less than two percent of people shouldn't leave with uh, prize. So I actually have no idea how I got to this rant about GP payout. Had nothing to do with the conversation. Um, that, goes awesome. with, that goes with the age. What was the question again? I don't want to become. I don't want to be covering that. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're almost there. Uh, almost there. I don't want to mention like you and Vince mentioned again about how people can come together. What what? again, don't like about the pro series is that you have to be, or unless you're taking a gamble, you have to be qualified a certain amount for people to want you to have them. But here, like you can just be consistently on a team. You don't need to um, qualify for, for anything. And 
we can see this consistency. Like your team is a team that I'm going to cheer for, for Mexico city. It's like so far, unless you change it next year, it's going to be you Pascal BBD. Um, did you feel like they, did you get featured a lot or, or not at all during the weekend? We got featured twice day one and once day two. Um, my match wasn't really played too much. Uh, I'm, Cause they usually save my match in the last match due to the time it takes, but they don't realize I'm, like the fastest player in the United States. So, you know, <laughs> BBD and Pascal are criminally slow. So, like, it didn't, it never came up to that. But, you know, they, they featured a little bit and uh, Chapin, like, you know, busted my chops a little bit based on, you know, card choices. And, you know, people, the, the commentators always have a good time with me because of the deck choices and the card choices. They're lucky because on Tuesday, I had a consecrated space in my deck and I didn't want to cut it. I was, I was refusing to cut the consecrated things out of my deck <laughs> because again, I want to seal games in modern and like, you just can't seal games. Like I sit there and I stabilize against like a, a death shadow. And like, I have like Supreme verdict path in my hand snare. And then they draw and we're playing draw, draw a bunch of lands. They kill my colleague with a push draw, draw, draw. They go Liliana and I just lose. Like, I'm just like, why? Why is there no way to win? So, like, I had that in my deck, and it was pretty funny. But um, back to the team part of this. Um, You're the best. You're the best at this. Uh (laughs) Back to the team event issue. I actually, my Lingering Souls squad is going to be featured at the Pro Tour. Uh, They're going to come to the house, and they're going to um, be, be, uh, Brian David Marshall is going to do a little piece on it. I won't be there because I'll be working, obviously. But they're going to. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so five out of six will be there. Uh, I'll be there in, uh, on. Uh, they're going to get me on the computer or on like the TV in the background, like Skyping in. So it's going to be funny. That's total uh, garbage. I want to see you and Travis Wu on the same screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah they will be. They're going to be holding me up on some kind of device. So uh, <laughs> I'll be there in digital spirit and regular spirit there. So it's going to be it's going to be a really good feature. Um, I think, like you said, not every like these. You all, all three of you guys said this. The, the discontinuity with teams, um, people that aren't qualified. So we're just, we, none of us had teams. All six of us were like the leftover souls. That's why we got our team name. You know, we're just like the, the scraps. And um, we, we joined together. Wow. And, I didn't even uh, think about that. I didn't hear that. Oh, you didn't? Yeah. <laughs> CFNL only had a couple of pro tours. He, he just won RPDQ, so he's good for the year. Uh, Andreas. Uh, Got his uh, stuff together, either RPTQ, I'm not sure how, but he's qualified for the year. Obviously, Donald Smith, top eight at the Pro Tour, he's good for the year. Travis Wu is very close to gold. I'm pretty confident that he'll qualify for the year. Um, I think that that leaves just two of us that are um, me, which is embarrassing being the team captain. (laughs) And, uh, you know, uh, are the player, are the only two that really are are coming short here. So, yeah, so I think that that's a big issue with the teams. Like uh, like we said, you don't have us week-to-week head-to-head battles, so people aren't going to know unless they do a lot better job uh, marketing us. But I think from what management has talked to us about from Wizards, uh, our team specifically is through messages and just on social media, I think that they are really going to push this. I think that this beta run is just a taste I think that they're going to put all their eggs in this basket, and I think they're going to uh, risk it all to have uh, this team thing catch on and to be more digitally friendly, that being a new program maybe, uh, revamping of MTGO 
or just uh, flawless, uh, you know, visuals when you watch Magic being played at these Pro Tours. So um, expect that. Expect that because that's where they want to go. Hmm. I can't wait. I can't. Yeah, wait. actually, uh, I'm going to interject here because that what you said kind of tilts me off a little bit. Not not that you said something specifically <laughs> that tilts me, but you reminded me something of an article I read on the Mothership that tilted me off. I was just like clicking around looking for some information, and I clicked on an article that looked like it might have the information I wanted. It didn't, but what it said in it was like, oh, by the way, um, I don't know if you guys know, but if you didn't get on a team in the first two Pro Tours, which we told you was the deadline to get on a team, uh, you can still, actually, we're going to like reopen up the late deadline process. And I was like, how is this info just like in a random article here? Like, you know the email addresses of everyone who is not on a team who's queued for the next two pro tours, send them a notice that says <laughs> FYI, we changed the, the rules around this, you know, try and go find five friends or something. Like it's already like you have almost like a 0% chance of accomplishing anything yeah. with a team that's created in the third pro tour. But I mean, at least give us a fighting chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the, that is, you know, there's no excuse for that, and that's that's something they've done historically, where they just inter, in, you know, interject messages embedded in these convoluted articles that no one reads. Uh, um, you know, as this sucks, it kind of reminds me of there's a rules change today with um, split cards, and I didn't really see it until somebody, people on social media picked it up. I didn't, I didn't see a wizards announcement. No one saw a wizards announcement. People saw people posting the wizards announcement that was hidden. Like, I mean, it's something where. They need to get a lot better just in general, like, you know, talking to people, like getting the message out there. Um, yeah. And like, you know, for these teams that want to, it's even if they have no shot, they, it's, there's this pride that goes with being on a team and like, you know, it would be wonderful to actually get that message to people that could use it. I mean, we had no shot in the, in the grand scheme of things, power rankings. I mean, we're fourth right now, which is insane. Like there's no way our ragtag group of, bumbling doofuses here was going to have a shot at beating out like these channel fireball teams and these crazy teams. And right now we're in fourth, which is kind of crazy because I think, I don't know if you guys know this for a fact or not, but I heard if you, we finish in the top two, even if we're not qualified for the last pro tour, we would get to go to that. I don't know if that's the case. Or not. I'm going to Google it to make sure. Yeah, there's, some just, rules around, there's some rules around that. I don't know what the cutoff is, but there are some rules where your teammates can pull you up back into the pro. That, God, this would be great. Yeah, so <laughs> just have Donald Smith carry me one more time. <laughs> He's a great guy, too. You should get a, have you had him on the show? I don't know if you guys have had him. But he, no, he, he, we're still he, fresh. We're still fresh. Oh, yeah, in episode two. Sorry, I'm thinking about uh, the, the artist formerly known as A-Team there. Yeah, I remember why I stopped going on that show anyway. It wasn't you. It was Scotty Mack, you know, because, you know, he's irritating, but... <laughs> I love Scotty. Where's he been? He doesn't do anything anymore. No. I'll see him on Twitter. I'll see him on anywhere. Is he dead? Is he gone? No, no. He, he celebrated. He definitely celebrated the, the Patriots win. He definitely oh. celebrated the Patriots. Um, Sheen, one last we'll, – we'll have you on for just one last question, and then we'll let you go. We want some of your thoughts on the Amonkhet cards, but we'll just go straight to what was spoiled last week, which is a cycle of the – Cycle lands, and what's your take on that? And are they better? And the secondary question would be: Are they better than the temple lands? No, <laughs> not in standard. 
uh, Temple Lands are played in modern right now in these combo decks that have you know time to do so. They're playing like Sun and Moon and Ad Nauseam and all that. So I don't think you're going to see people playing values. Excuse me, value cycle lands and modern. They'll be playing like loan decks and these silly decks that can abuse it. But I think it's standard. I think they are. They lean more powerfully toward control because control wants nothing more than to pay two and draw a card on turn two when they don't interact with the opponent. And being able to like cycle excess land in the early game is great. I don't, and we can play a lot of them. Like controllers can play like you know I can play like six cycle lands, seven cycle lands, and not even think twice about it. Um, but we're aggro decks that can't play that many come and play tap lands. So I think you're going to see a control decks really take uh, take foothold with these cycle lands. So whenever cycling as a mechanic is a pro control strategy, which is pretty sweet. Uh, I mean, even like renewed faith, I don't think that might that might not be playable as standard. But just like that uh, direction they're going in with this with this set is really cool because control needs to be able to cycle a land later in the game to hit haymakers and powerful card draw spells, where aggro, if they cycle land, they hit like a toolcraft exemplar on turn nine. That is not a payoff card for these, uh, you know, these flooding like rewards, if you, if you know what I mean. So um, I, that's my, that's my take on it. I'm really excited about it. I think that cycle is going to be really like a, a good boost. We'll see what they print a good counter spell. Maybe. <laughs> Hey, there's a bunch of three mana ones. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of pick. encounter spells that might make you happy. That's close, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one of the uh, one of these. Uh, let's see if they make the masterpieces standard legal, then uh, we'll be good, right? So force of will is printed. Yeah, yeah force of will counter spells, typho. Yeah, that's some great. good ones. Yeah, cool. Yeah, let's make those legal. I mean, they made. I made a joke on Twitter. People thought I was being serious about the four three green guy that makes things uncountable himself as well. Creatures. That guy's not even playable but <laughs> but just like the insult it adds to how bad control has gotten and how bad blue is and these uh newer formats standard and modern um is, is is just kind of insulting that's that was the purpose of the tweet it had you know a lot of people reacted um you know figured it out that it was more like uh kind of just a frustration of like oh well you have to have a creature that specifically stops counter spells because they're so diesel right now <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty frustrating. So I'm hoping they print a good counter spell. Then this maybe foreshadowing is going to happen, but I'm not going to give anyone too much credit here after you know the uh, the stuff I got from the banning. So we're just going to wait. We'll keep radio silence until then. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I think the um, the cycling lands are also uh, very good, and I agree. I agree with Shaheen that they're uh, better in control decks because that's where. Uh, making sure that you're drawing gas in the late game matters most because your deck is planning to go to the late game more often than aggro deck, right? So um, I think that they're probably, on average, worse than the temples in standard as well, since temples let you, like, you can keep a sketchy seven with, like, a temple or two in it and kind of, you know, temple scry yourself out of it. If you have... um you know that with the cycle lands you can't although i guess you can keep keep sketchy fives with two or three cycle lands in it so there's that which is decent but i mean it's more mana efficient the temple way um so i mean it's temples are probably better for the aggro mid-range decks the the cycle lands are better for the control decks and i agree that control needs a little bit of a lift um maybe like a the teamer tower deck could definitely use some of those lands it's unfortunate that they're allied colored so they only get the green red one i guess which is like one they don't really want. 
Yeah, that's the worst one for them, for sure. <laughs> but I mean, whatever. You, you take what you can get sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. That's, that's exactly how I feel about the Temple Lands in comparison. So, Scry 1 is just better typically than Cycling because it's called zero, you know, and you get to uh, smooth out draws. And, um, you know, Sketch Keeps is what makes Standard great because mulliganing you know, it is such a brutal uh, part of the, the newer the format, the more punishing mulligans are. Or in modern, you have such powerful cards in Legacy, especially you can mulligan to five with a brainstorm and you can get yourself out of any situation. And combo decks, of course, can thrive all five cards. But in standard, you know, you're mulligan to five or six and you have a temple, you can really keep anything. Uh, especially now with the scry rule, having double scry, which is great. So uh, I, I, I agree. Viz, any thoughts on you agree with these guys? They make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to dispute. <laughs> you know, they're pretty solid arguments. So Go I'm ahead, not try. Like, <laughs> cycle lands are so good in aggro decks. You guys are idiots. But uh, <laughs> um, I think, just as sort of like a side note, I like the idea of them printing more lands that have actual basic land types on them. I think that's a good way for them to sort of start printing new types of dual lands that could see play in certain weird types of decks and it allows them to start opening up design space with with cards that care about basic land types like maybe because these cards are in standard they start printing some like far seek is reprinted or something and now these cards start becoming a little bit better in the context of a standard environment right so on at a first glance yeah these cards are probably worse than temples i like the idea that these cards could mean exciting things for standard in terms of their basic land types. I think that's something that might be slightly overlooked with these cards right now, because we're, what, like 15 cards into the spoiler season, and these cards are going to be standard legal for a whole bunch more sets. So hopefully, Wizards leverages the fact that these cards have basic land types. I'm not expecting fetches, but maybe something that that helps us uh, take advantage of the fact that we have dual basic land types. Oh, that's a good point, actually. I think them printing these lands means we definitely won't see fetches in standard. Probably ever again, but uh, guaranteed at least until they rotate. So a- at least 18 months out. You guarantee it. Or t- I guarantee it, yeah, because they were like very unhappy about the standard format uh, mana bases when they had the BFC duels and the cons fetches in the same standard. And, <clears throat> and so I'm pretty sure that they do not want to repeat that mistake, um, as they've noted. Um, and the fact that they printed this cycle instead of just bringing fetch lands back now when would have been the first opportunity for them when they originally thought that the BFC lands would be rotating, um, you think that they would be in this set just to kind of lower that price, but they somehow wasted it on Modern Masters 3, which is a set that doesn't really need that kind of value. Like, you can get the value from other cards uh, in Modern, but they chose to put them there uh, instead of putting them in the first standard legal set, which shouldn't have had the BFC duels in standard. So I'm pretty sure that's a... Uh, a good sign that they hate shuffling in standard and fetches are permanently out. You hate shuffling, right, Shaheen? <laughs> I I mean, I I don't mind it. I do mind it being in the format, though. I personally don't mind like shuffling because I'm very quick at shuffling and playing, etc. But like, there are people super methodical in this game, and they really ruin standard. Uh, like tournaments with like when there's fetches and other things. I mean, like as an example, you see on the webcam people that draw their card and they're like slide it over and they <laughs> peek, put in their hand. My opponent la- yesterday, uh, again, I'm not gonna put any names up there, 
he <laughs> did that with every card. He untapped his lands like this. And I, I just stopped him. I'm like, come on, man. Like, we are, we are eight minutes in his turn, too. Okay? We need to speed up. Like, it's, it's pictured that with shuffling when that was happening in standard. I was, I am, I, what, what do you think? You've seen me in real life. I'm kind of animated, kind of goofy. I'm a, I don't think I'm a bad person to play against. I never have anyone have real negative interaction with me. I try to keep, uh, I, I really value, like, my um, reputation over, like, you know, trying to angle or doing things, any, anything like that. But I will, like, you know, hurry opponents up. And when the shuffling was around, I had to, I was constantly, I felt like a broken record. I'm like, we're going to have to hurry this up, man. I even had one opponent in an open years ago, Paul shuffle after, after a fetch in the game, and I stopped him mid-shuffle. I'm like, pick your deck up, man. <laughs> shuffle your deck and hand me the freaking deck. <laughs> like, come on. So, yeah, I don't think, uh, people just don't like shuffling in standard. Um, Wizards especially hates it, and they've made, you know, no secret of that. They banned cards like we've and i've talked about this on podcasts before like top due to the time it takes and old extended and they banned the card for that it wasn't because of any other reason they banned it due to time reasons and um you know that's something they're going to keep in mind yeah that's what the reason why i thought they, they had banned eggs and they ended up banning it because it took forever for for them to win it's uh, back <laughs> <laughs> even even worse this time it's even worse um, we'll let you go, uh, Shaheen, but I'm going to let you plug your new podcast. Uh, is there a new episode coming out? This week, we're going to try to record on Thursday. We, we found an error with uh, hosting a podcast with tournament competitive players that are gone every week. <laughs> we, real, we realized the error in this, and uh, you know, we, we can't do the commitment that we wanted to do biweekly. So we're, gonna tr- we're still going to try to get two per month. It might be two every five weeks. Like this one's going to be two or this will be the fifth week when we get our second one out. Um, but we're still going to try to pump these out regularly. And uh, I appreciate that. We are MTG off the record. Um, still working out the kinks of what software to use. Still working out the kinks on how to post an RSS feed, which I don't know how to do yet. Um, my technology knowledge is still uh, a hard three out of 10. It's not good. And I, stared at the screen for a while trying to figure out how to make it on iTunes. And it like, I got everything figured out except for the picture size. And I had to resize the picture and it still gave me an error. And at that point, hours into it, I'm like, you know, download SoundCloud. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I appreciate you helping me with the, with the podcast technicalities. And um, I'm going to take a lot of what you said, you know, what you said to, uh, as advice, I'm going to try to fix it a little bit more. I'm going to use, uh, we're going to try to switch to um, that website, the uh, one that you, you directed me toward. I forgot what it's called. I see it in your direct message. I'm going to go to that website where you have to pay like a monthly fee of like five or 10 bucks. We're going to try to, that gives, I heard that gives you an RSS, RSS feed. And it gives, it does it all for you and gives you a website. So hopefully they'll take the, you know, the idiot proof stuff out of there. So I won't have to like suffer, but uh, yeah, you can catch us every two weeks. Hopefully. Uh, it's me and Brian Braun doing. Um, we just talk about the issues in the community. We try to cr- uh, have at least one like social issue. We we talked about the elitism in the community and how um, it negatively affects new players, mid players, and professional players, and creates this kind of like mean girls atmosphere. Um, <laughs> and we went to, we we had a really good talk about that. And I think we really resided with a lot of people. Um, and kind of like just, it's like a how to not be a, a heel in magic, how to not be a villain in magic. And um, 
you know, I, we just try to do that regularly. Just try to create like, um, you know, the discussion and, uh, we do that for like 15, 20 minutes and the rest of the podcast is just technical talk about standard modern legacy. So appreciate you. Let me uh, throw it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to say soundcloud.com slash MTG dash off the record. I actually think the site itself right now looks good. And SoundCloud is the best option for people to start off into to just to get you started. Cause it is free. I think there is a way to get an RSS feed with SoundCloud, but it might not be as easy or as obvious as the, as the other options that you have, but I'm, I'm excited you, you got started. And I told you there is a market that, uh, there's just not enough high level competitive players are actively competing at the highest level doing podcast content where they, I think podcasts where these players reveal all of their thoughts, really like Jerry, um, I think with the, the game podcast is, is doing that. And you're just, I mean, I think that niche needs a lot of people to fill it. And I'm excited. Like episode two plebeian problems with uh, yeah, 571 yeah. <laughs> uh, plays. I mean, significantly more than the first episode in the pilot episode. So people, you said people really like that second episode. Yeah, yeah. And I think we, we got a lot of good feedback. The first episode was almost unbearable due to sound in the background, music playing in the background, um, and just like technical issues. And it's not the fault of our tech guy because we told him to go ahead and do that suggestion to play music kind of in the background. But we, we are constantly taking any kind of criticisms and we're taking it to heart and suggestions because we want to make it, you know, easy to listen to. We want to give you content that you want. I feel like we can't provide you the super casual content that a lot of good podcasts can do where you talk about it. I think on your show, previous shows back in the day, when it gets to commander, I'm like, Oh, well. <laughs> you're a comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I can't, I can't really uh, get involved in that market at this point. So, um, but yeah, like I, I go, you know, check it out on SoundCloud and, um, you know, keep, keep uh, your ears on, uh, the Twitter feed that I have, and I'll let you know when we move it to the different site and get a better, you know, system going. And um, any suggestions you have, listeners, please feel free to tweet at me, and I'll definitely respond. Right, and you can catch Shaheen on Twitter at ShaheenMTG. Thank you, Shaheen. As always, I'm sure I'm going to have you more than once on the show. So, uh, have a nice want. evening. Have a nice Thank evening, you, my friend. Thank you, brother. All righty. So that was Shaheen Sarani. We're not going to end the show. Uh, we still got a few topics to get through with the boys, with the guys that I'm excited to talk about. But if you like the show so far, uh, definitely hit that thumbs up button and, and subscribe to the channel. What's that, Rob? I said we, we, we're just starting. We're just starting. <laughs> uh, sorry, Kyle. Um, so the one thing that I'm really excited to talk about, it's sort of old news now because of the weekend and all the hoopla. But being in the same Facebook chat as you two, as the Admon Cats, um, masterpieces invocations were spoiled. Uh, that, that was an exciting and exciting. <laughs> it was heated. It was heated. Well, we'll start with you, Vince. Well, what did you think about? It? Well, <laughs> okay, so yeah, Vince, uh, tell us what you think. Well, here's the, it, it would okay. I'll, I'll say my we had a bit of a discussion about the when the the uh, invocations, as they're called, were spoiled. And mine was more a reactionary defensive argument, but essentially I'll just, I'll frame it this way. A lot of people were very upset about A, the frame of the cards, 
be the text on the cards, especially for the name of the card and the and the subtypes, um, and just the overall aesthetic of the card as they came out. And like people were, you know, saying someone should be fired over this. This is this is a ludicrously bad design decision. Um, these cards are unreadable. This is unacceptable. Um, and acting like it was going to have a very serious impact on the way that Magic is going to be played in the future for whatever tournaments they're going to. I agree. From a design perspective, they don't look ideal from a, what is this card? I don't know. I fully agree with that. I will have no idea what someone plays when they play a masterpiece. I'm going to have to stop, read the actual rules text, and go back and go, okay, so this is cryptic. Great. I'm dead. But that being said, the frequency at which you're going to see these cards is next to zero, unless you're actively looking for them yourself, which would be really contrarian if you were like, I don't like these cards, but I'm going to play 20 of them. Um, you're not going to see that many of them, A. B, people are already playing with foreign cards, right? This is essentially a foreign card with new art, which obviously is less ideal when the art is also new because you have no idea what the card is. But again, you're not going to see these cards that often. You're going to see them... Honestly, I think I've played against three masterpieces in my entire like career of magic since they've been out maybe a few of the lands um suck it up like it sorry it sucks but move on like maybe next time they do it better obviously the 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 text could have been better no one is gonna be like holy crap that text is amazing i love not being able to read my cards but it's the first time and they kind of goofed it like People are getting way too upset about this stuff. That's that's all I had to say about it. I'm, it just doesn't phase me that much. That's all I guess. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> the design of these cards is so just so terrible from basically every aspect. So like they don't look great uh, objectively, anyways. There's like very few people that think that prefer what their layout and frame design is for these cards uh, compared to a regular card. So like for people that like unique pieces, they're like not even interested in this. And I've seen some finance people say like the pre-orders of masterpieces is usually pretty good to the point where like sometimes cards are rising in price as you get closer to the set release, <clears throat> at least for the popular stuff. For these ones, the sellers that are pre-order or pre-selling actually having to drop their prices for a lot of cards because like people just don't want them. Like if you're interested in something fancy, you're just like, no, that not, not that though. Not that one. (laughs) I'm not interested in it. And then, so like you have stuff like the lands uh, masterpieces cycle uh, from BFC. They were like very like they have the translucent bottom. So you get like more art on it. So there's the people that really like the art and then they screwed this up with the frame because it has like a smaller art box. So for the people that like art, it doesn't... So you, you haven't hit the collector market. You haven't hit the people who like the art and flavor market. And then you have the rest of the competitive players. They're just like, I don't know what this card does because I can't read any of the words on it except for the rules text, which is for some reason not in the same dumb font as the rest of the card. And then you like the lettering is so weird that I don't even know what this god's name is. Hazard the Fervent in their like text styling it literally looks like Hazaret the pervert. Like, if you read it, fervent literally looks like pervert. It's just so insane. And then it has a bunch of wingdings all over the card. 
And their goal was stated as it shouldn't look like English on first read. It's like, cool. That's good. But the card's printed in English. So, like, that's not really a, like, I think it was Zvi who was like, what was the goal of this? And then Aaron said, you know, we didn't want to make it look, look like English on first read. And Zvi's like, have better goals, you know? Like, yeah. I completely agree with him. That, like, if, if that was your goal, you blew it away. But that was a bad target, you know? Like, what the heck? Yeah. I'm, I can't disagree with you on the fact that that was one of the most ludicrously stupid things I've seen written. Our goal was to make it. So at first you thought, is that in English? And then you were surprised when it was. How is that someone's goal is beyond me? I don't know. Like, that. that's... Yeah. I also really hate that the, the, the name of the card is not left justified with the wingdings every time. It's like a random amount of wingdings, and then it's center justified. It's just like, wh- where does this word start? I, oh, it just... Right, it okay. It takes a second to look at, and it just tilts me when I see it. Like, what are you doing? Just make the cards legible. Make the art large. That's all people want. That's all people have ever wanted from magic cards. Beautiful art. Nice, clear card. That's all. No one is... Okay, I'm not. I'm not disputing the fact that these look ridiculously bad. I'm, that, it, that would be, for, in my opinion, a waste of time because I'd just be wrong. My point is they tried something different. I like the idea of them doing thematic masterpieces for whatever set they're doing. This one was a bit of a whiff, for sure. It's not going to matter. Like, you're, it, this is people complaining, and I've heard this reiterated hundreds of times. People will literally complain about how their $100 bills are folded in their booster packs just for the sake of being angry about it. Like, it's, it's a random extra card congratulations it doesn't look as good as you like like move on i'm sorry it's just like come on the next one will be fine there's certain people that are like waiting for masterpiece force of will right they're like what i want is i want a masterpiece force of will or i want a masterpiece counterspell they're like waiting for the set where that has it in it and then this is what you get it's like damn like how long is it going to take them to put force of will in another masterpiece slot it's not gonna it's not gonna be soon They'll like you're just talking like to five to ten years out, probably. Yeah, probably like eight people, man. <laughs> like, no, I think it's a lot. There's a lot of people. Like, there's there's one of these cards. Well, I don't know about the whole list, but most of these cards are for somebody, right? I mean, so the real point about complaining is that, like, for all the the poop we give Watsi, like they're very responsive. They listen to the community and they update their processes where they feel that the community has really like voiced a valid opinion, right? Where it's not just noise. And something like this, where, like, not really anyone is happy at all, and you're trying to do something special for your customers, you want them to change it. You want them to get the feedback immediately so they don't do it again. Like, don't, don't try to make a card illegible. Don't favor a weird frame over the art. Um, and, and, like, you know, maybe do a little more market testing like with some of these frames to see what people think before you release them. I mean, I agree that they should try new things and they should explore stuff. Um, but if you don't immediately voice your opinion to them that this is bad and you never want to see this again, then what they're going to do is they're going to think that it's fine. They're going to slot it into two or three sets like a few years out. And then when the next one comes out, like in 2018, 2019 or whatever, 
Everyone's going to be like, oh, God, this stupid thing again? What have they done? And by then, they've already slotted it into three more sets that are, like, way past the point of no return. And, like, when you voice your opinion in 2019, it's not until, like, 2022 that they're able to, like, you know, actually apply that feedback, right? So if we tell them now, hopefully, uh, you know, nothing else on the horizon has this kind of very weird, illegible, uh, I don't know, theme and layout and stuff, and, and we don't have to deal with this again. <laughs> I mean, if, if you don't tell them, they won't fix it. So I feel like you have to be, uh, you have to be vocal with them. I mean, and the community is Twitter is lit up about how terrible these are. <laughs> if if only that was the case when uh, wizards or when people were yelling for a year about please don't please don't force us onto the new Moto client. Please let us use the old Moto client. And they were well, like, they did, though. They no, the uh, MTGO V three usage by like six months or something, but it wasn't until like the initial beta test for V four went real bad. Yeah. Then they then they said, okay, both clients will be fine for another year or whatever it was. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to stay on V3 then and I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Uh, you had mentioned uh, Hazrat the, fer- the Fervent. Um, the Pervert, I think it, it was. This was. <laughs> <laughs> One of our patrons, uh, shout out to Karen Davies, wanted us to uh, analyze some of these cards. So let's start with this one. Harold Hazaret is a red and three colorless for a mana 5-4 legendary creature god. Indestructible haste. Hazaret the fervent can't attack or block unless you have one or fewer cards in hand. And the ability is red, two colorless. Discard a card. Hazaret deals two damage to each opponent. Hmm. Let's start with you, Rob. This is probably not good enough especially in, like, I'm talking standard here, in large numbers, just because of the restriction on when it can actually deal damage to your opponent. Um, like, there were a lot of people that were playing, trying to play Lupine Prototype in standard uh, for a while, and, like, you just see them, like, jam a prototype into a prototype and sit there and just get smashed by, like, a bunch of toolcraft exemplars and stuff, because they, could, like, just never get hellbent. So, given our knowledge of what the set is now, I don't think this card is going to make any kind of real splash in standard. I mean, I know you can discard a card to do two damage to each opponent. Like, what are you doing? You're like paying four mana, not attacking, and then spending your next turn getting hellbent <laughs> and then trying to attack for five. <clears throat> I mean, this, the that stupid dragon is better than this card. <laughs> so there's that. Also, um, I think if the gods are all going to be indestructible and have some interesting static abilities, since they're always creatures, like cards like Declaration in Stone and Stasis Snare, and um, if a lot of them have four toughness, stuff like Grasp of Darkness, uh, really will start to go up um, in people's estimation and like uh, sacrifice effects like to the slaughter or whatever. So yeah, I think it's just a little bit short. Now, I mean, if they print a red card that lets you get Hellbent real quick without just like losing a ton of value, um, you know, that changes my... Uh, assessment of the card, obviously. But as it stands now, not great. Probably worse than Perforos. And Perforos was never great. <laughs> hey, what about you, Vince? And what do you think about it in uh, Limited, Vince? This card's very, very, very good in Limited. Like, very good in Limited. 
it's probably almost always going to be a first pick in limited, I would imagine. I mean, limited is a format that allows you the time to take all of your bad cards and turn them into shocks and then have a 5-4 haste indestructible that like, is going to be almost impossible to beat. So in, in limited, this card's an all-star. Um, in standard, I'm probably on the same page as Rob. I think the only thing I would add is it seems like discard is a big theme in... Or at least not a big theme, but it, it's it's noted on several cards so far in the spoilers. So probably we'll see some reasonable ways to, to get rid of your hand. Other than obviously using three mana, because that's not what you want to be doing with this card. Um, I think just to add, maybe not talking about this card specifically, but it this card kind of raises some questions about the rest of the cycle. Are is the entire cycle going to be sort of symmetrical in the way that they're only going to be able to attack uh, if they're if you only have one card in your hand? Will they all have a discard ability? Because that doesn't really seem to fit color pie wise with some of the colors. It makes sense with red, sort of, but I mean, it would be it would be kind of weird to see a blue god that it had an activated ability to discard a card to do something and could only attack if you were pseudo hellbent. So I'm kind of excited to see how the other ones look. Um, another thing that kind of bothered me, and I was talking to Rob about this earlier, is the fact that as a creature subtype god to me is a little bit weird. Usually, a, a subtype like thematically obviously makes sense. It's a god, sure. But from a functional game perspective, doesn't it doesn't really do anything. Like there's no tie back to the original gods from Theros. So far we haven't seen a card that cares about gods being a subtype. So I'm not a huge fan of them just adding subtypes for the sake of top down creative. I would like to see them create, you know, creature types that actually matter for reasons in the game. But we'll see. Rob, agree or disagree on the uh, limited assessment? Yeah, I mean, this card seems great and limited, obviously. Um, it's not typically too hard to get Hellbent by turn five or six and limited, especially, well, I mean, this is going to be different. I'm just thinking about Kaladesh, I guess. Uh, we'll, we'll see We'll see how this works out. But um, this set has a lot of, like, like Embalmed, for example. Seems like it's going to be a pretty major theme. So um, being able to discard cards like that um, and then not really lose a ton of value um, and then bring it back later for kind of a you know extra cost, but still get in for five. Uh, is I think it's going to be pretty powerful. Plus, like just being able to turn like a, a four mana enchantment that's basically uh, you, your opponent can interact with that just turns your whole uh, hand into shocks for three mana um, is is pretty good. It lets you close out the game pretty quickly. And uh, I don't know. I, I can see probably this is is going to be the last card. Or the second last card you play, so it's probably more of a turn five, turn six play, uh, depending on how aggressive this format is. But given the cards we've seen so far, it looks like it's going to be a little bit uh, slower, I would think, and quite a bit slower than Kaladesh, which makes sense. They usually kind of like take the pendulum here and then bring it right back to the other side in the next set, and then kind of put it more in the center or whatever. So I expect the the, the limited format to be pretty grindy. In which case, this card is going to be pretty good. All right, uh, we'll do. We'll just do one more card. We'll reserve the rest in perhaps our next episode next Monday, where I'll be spoiling with the guys, <coughs> the team, two cards that we have that are. Um, let's just say there's a lot of bricks involved with the two cards. Are they uh, good? Kyt. I, I don't know. I have no idea. So <laughs> they, they have. They have <laughs> 
they haven't shown many brick cards, so maybe they just gave me the only the only good ones, uh, the only ones that, that they have in the set. Um, if you pass Canada, <laughs> it's it's not destroy a land, get a brick. Though I would have laughed. It just wouldn't make sense flavor wise. Well, maybe like you destroy something, like destroy a mountain, get a brick, <laughs> yeah, yeah, get a brick. <laughs> Some big bricks. We'll do one last card that uh, Karen had mentioned. Trial of Knowledge. Start with you, Vince. It's a one blue, three colorless, so it's four mana. Enchantment. When Trial of Knowledge enters the battlefield, draw three cards, then discard a card. When a cartouche enters the battlefield under your control, return Trial of Knowledge to its owner's hand. And I think they've only spoiled one cartouche so far that I've seen. It's just a another enchantment, a type of enchantment. So what do you think about this specific card in, in Limited? First, and, th- and then maybe if you have any constructive thoughts on it, <laughs> I won't. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, how good is this limited? Dr- drawing three cards, like and discarding one yeah. for four. It's it's pretty good. Uh, it's like it's obviously worse than something like Thirst for Knowledge, but Thirst for Knowledge is very very good in limited. So expecting cards to be at that bar is. Is pretty unreasonable. I'm also talking about it right now without the context of these cartouches because I just want to make a little side note on that. Um, yeah, draw three, discard one at sorcery speed is still very strong for most limited decks. Um, often the card you're discarding is one you don't need because your decks aren't full of complete juice all the time. There's always going to be the 23rd you don't want. You're going to be happy to essentially just be drawing three and discarding an irrelevant card. Um, this whole interaction with cartouches is, I just think it's awful. I think it's just, it's another mechanic and it's kind of like bricks, I guess. It's kind of like energy was in, uh, in Kaladesh. It's just these mechanics that don't actually do anything outside of their block or outside of the set they're in that reward you in some weird, unnecessary way. And don't make you feel like it. I don't feel smart for playing cartouches now. I'm not like, wow, I'm a genius. I played a cartouche and my card says cartouche on it. I must have done it right, wizards. Like, why? Why do I have to feel like none of these mechanics interact with the actual game of magic? I'm just like putting these stupid puzzle pieces together to build my good limited deck. It's just so ridiculous. There's so many ways it could have fixed this design to be like cheap auras rebuy it or something like just not some new aura type that there's probably only going to be five of it common. They're all going to be mediocre and I'm just going to feel like an idiot for having to play with their two card combo that they built for me. I just, I hate it. I hate it. I really hate it. <laughs> Rob? <laughs> the card is playable? Card is playable. I hate the card. <laughs> Good. So, uh, yeah, so Vince doesn't even know how much he hates it, but this is actually top-down flavor. That's why we have cartouches and trials in this set. So uh, I guess each color will probably have a trial. That's like some quest or something that uh, you, the hero, has to go on. And the cartouche, I guess, is your reward or something like that. <laughs> so <coughs> you go on a trial, Vince, and then get your cartouche and go on another trial and cartouche it up. 
So uh, booster pack's gonna come with the novel soon. Soon I'm just gonna have the lore with me, so I, I know what's happening in the game. Like essentially, that's <laughs> where, that's where we're headed. You're not thinking about the future. The booster packs will come with an iTunes gift card that will allow you to download <laughs> the audio novel or something like that. So yeah, okay. Anyways, getting off track. Um, <clears throat> yeah, in limited, this card's obviously great. Um, being able to draw three cards and discard a card for four mana is uh, is very reasonable, um, even desirable. And since I think this format's going to be kind of slow, it's uh, probably going to be uh, very good uh, in the setting. So Vince said that uh, you can always get rid of your 23rd card, but I, I think I'm going to put my stamp on it right now. I think it's going to be an 18 land format. <laughs> so maybe you'll be discarding your 22nd card. Um, I really like the interactions with the cartouches, even though I agree that I think having another aura type for essentially no gain other than a flavor win that probably no one understands. Um, is still a uh, good value. So, I mean, being able to basically just buy back Sift uh, by playing an Aura, which is not the worst card I've ever seen. Um, so they have, like, Cartouche of Solidarity. It's one white. It's an uh, enchant creature. When it comes into play, you get a one white uh, warrior with Vigilance, and it gives your creature plus one, plus one in first strike. So it's, like, a pretty reasonable ability. It's, like, probably three quarters of a card's worth of value. Um, so it's like almost there. I think if there's other cartouches that are better, then Trial of Knowledge will be very good. Like if there's a cartouche that's like I don't know, three mana and gives your creature plus two plus two and flying or something like that, like something you already want to put in your your blue deck, and maybe it comes with like a one one flyer or a one two flyer or something like that. Then yeah, Trial of Knowledge is going to be really good. But I mean, even if it had no text on it at all, except for draw three cards and discard a card, it's still playable. So I think it's going to be a pretty high pick unless the rest of the cards in the format are, like, just hyper-aggressive. Um, and you just can't spend your turn four or turn five uh, sculpting your hand for the rest of the game. <clears throat> we'll see. I mean, discarding cards with Embalm also is, like, extra value, right? So this set looks like it's going to be value.set. <laughs> There's a lot of value going on. <laughs> okay, we're going to wrap this episode with one more we've done. This is probably going to end up being a possibly the longest episode because Shaheen, man, that guy, he has a <laughs> lot of thoughts. That's for sure. Um, so we have to cover this or else we would get burned to the, at stake, uh, which is the split card rule that for some reason, the rule, like, I, there's no official announcement or anything when I'm, I'm, I'm even like searching on Twitter and AJ Soccer gives his thoughts on it, and someone tweets him back, where can I find information about this? He replies, Reddit. So, if that's the source right now, but um, Matt Tabak, I think, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, Tabak, right, yeah, yeah, I've heard it before. Tabak was responding to someone who asked, how do the new cards, uh, split cards work with Torrential Gearhawk? You cast either card if one is an instant or just the instant. And then he responds, as long as at least one half is an instant, you can cast either half. And then the other reply was, so to clarify, starting with uh, Admin Cat, the converted cat mana cost will be the entire card, unless on the stack, and they will share card types, which Matt responds to, yeah. Um, want to know, converted mana cost on the stack, not on the stack, count up the mana symbols, same on stack, but you consider only what's being cast. So. Well, how did you take the news, Rob? I mean, I just, I really hate it when they change the rulings. Like, they've been a certain way for a while, 
And then they print a new card and they're like, oh yeah, that kind of has a stupid interaction with some other cards. Maybe we should update the rules for everything else, even though that was kind of like working fine before. So now all those people that were like super pumped about Fuse and like Karizev's expertise and and whatever was going on there, like uh, that's all gone, right? Like none of those cards are going to work anymore because while not on the stack, the converted mana cost of those cards is the combined cost of both cards, right? So like Beck and Call plus, or sorry, Beck and Call added together is like eight or something like that. I forget exactly what the the cost of the the big ability is, but I thought I think it's six. So, like, yeah, you just, you know, those decks were, like, already not very good in Modern, and people were having fun playing them. And Watsi just came along and said, like, sorry, man, <laughs> that's enough. You got your three months. <laughs> we're going to take it away now. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, like, this is probably the correct ruling. It's just kind of annoying that they didn't come to it earlier, right? Because it always, like, kind of made no sense that, like, oh, yeah, in some places it's, like, both casting costs added together in some cases you get to choose but then sometimes if you know like when you like cascade into boom bust it's like yeah cascade into boom and cast bust boom you're dead and it's like <laughs> what is what is going on here it doesn't really how's this working you're cascading hitting the two mana side and then like the game is just like forgetting that's what you did and letting you cast the six mana card so i don't know overall gameplay is going to be improved because it's more intuitive it makes more sense my real gripe with these new split cards is that they have different card types on them. So, like, Destined to Lead is half sorcery, half instant. And it's just like, there's going to be so many people that will try to cast Lead as an instant, and if they <coughs> if they have a bunch of other cards like this, like maybe they have a Shock that's a sorcery, but then, like, a Healing Solve that's an instant or something like that, you're just going to have, like, so many people try and cast that Shock as an instant, or, like, cast that Healing Solve as a sorcery, um, that I feel that, you know, there's no reason for lead to be a sorcery. Like, it doesn't benefit you if you cast it in main one or if you cast it after attackers are declared. It's not like you really, you got them, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're casting lure. Like, big deal. Um, so, I mean, I guess as it, if it was an instant, it'd be better against pacification array. But I mean, like, who really cares about that? So... I don't know. It's just it's kind of weird. It, it definitely it's good for delirium. So that that's that's something. If Grim Flare's cheap, get them now. It'll probably be better if any of these cards don't suck. Destin definitely sucks in constructed though. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Okay, Vince, what are your thoughts on the split split card rule? Uh so I like the change. I think the the change to the ruling is probably accurate. It probably is correct. the The timing of the ruling is ridiculous obviously it should have been three months ago before you know people are buying breaking and enterings and carries of expertise like the real cards because now they're not um but more importantly the fact that i don't want to call out whoever was responsible because it's i think it's the guy who's writing the article that's coming out tomorrow but how do you tell someone in a in a comment thread on reddit a, a significant rule change that actually affects an archetype in a modern format. Like, I don't, I just don't understand how he thought that was okay. I like, it's just, it's so wrong. You're creating information advantage for people who saw it first. You're not posting it officially. People might not think it's true. People don't know how Reddit works. They don't know if it's an official account. Like, it's just such a lazy and 
unreasonable way to release information like this. And it's almost more ridiculous that he started with to clarify as if people would know that there was going to be a significant rule change. No, it's not to clarify. It's P.S. This is a serious change we're making. I'm just going to casually drop it 15 hours before I release the article because you ask like it just I don't know. The rule is correct. I like the rule change. I don't like the timing and I really don't like the means that they release the information. And I sincerely hope they learn from this and never do that again. Yeah, Amonkhet has, in general, more execution flaws than I think any set I can remember. Just in general. Um, there's just a lot of poor execution going on. And I wonder if the Watsi team is just, like, overly stressed going to, like, a two-block model uh, a year from a one-block plus corset model or something like that, which is a lot more easy to handle. So, Because you have, like, one communication cycle when the set releases. Nothing really goes on with the corset anyways. So things are a little simpler. And now that you have like this important and unique information coming out mid-year, it's getting a little sloppy. There's a lot of weird things going on. Like if near uh, explicitly calling out the fact that if you cycle or discard, when it's like, okay, some of that text isn't necessary. Uh, I don't know. They're, things are getting a little... <laughs> they need Starting to. Starting to. Tighten it up. Been some issues for for a few episodes, for a few sets now. It feels. Yeah, things are going trending in the wrong direction for sure. Which I is mean, but this is expect. like super exaggerated, right? It's not like like there's just like a lot of the announcements are not aligned, and like some of the designs feel lazy, and it feels like they're stretching for like design space. I don't know. Like every aspect of this set seems a little bit um, rushed. I guess uh, so. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it all looks when it's when we get access to it. Hopefully, we'll, we'll be able to tell pretty quickly if the limited format's a disaster. But that means like uh, they're way overloaded because it looks like it should be great uh, given the tools they have in front of them. Man, I feel like since I feel like since we started the show, it's gone downhill. Since uh, my best buddy Smuggler's Copter, it's it's going down. <laughs> what a great way to start <laughs> the show. Um, so we'll end it at that. Uh, we'll make sure to catch us uh, next Monday. Two preview cards, and this time I'll find a way, again, to do it better. And if you're one of those people on Reddit, don't post it on Reddit. Don't, like, screenshot me holding the card, anything in super low quality, and get, like, a whole bunch of people complaining about it. I do first want to shout out our um, Patreon, our First Strike Nation producers, Kyle Smirchik, we got Derek Pite, as always, Adrian Merchinson, Isaiah Carrero, um, means the world to us. Uh, do check out uh, Dagger 4's videos, a- along with other people that have been making videos on the Matter of Five channel, the channel that you're on and that you should be subscribed to, as well as our First Strike Nation. Not a lot of crazy uh, constructed tournaments, uh, going on for any of us right now as we await the, the release of, of Amonkhet, but our team has uh, uploaded a bunch of cyber guides, especially we've started on the modern side based on the requests from our patrons. And if you want to become a First Strike Nation or just a First Strike patron, just go to patreon.com slash First Strike. I think that's all I have to cover, and we'll see you guys next week. Anything else, guys? Nope. We wait. We wait for something useful to happen with magic. <laughs> All right. Shout out to Zylog and Cole Clark in the chat. Love you guys. 
and love the rest of you. Not going to shout out everyone, but I see who you are. So uh, back next Monday with a bunch of bricks. See you guys. <laughs>